Today we are beginning the book of the Bible that is traditionally named James. This is actually the book of Jacob, because neither Hebrew nor Greek includes the word James. What we read here reflects the first generation of Christians who primarily came from Jewish parents and culture. This book of Jacob, or also it could be called Yaakov, and the letter to Galatians are believed to be the two earliest books written in the New Testament, probably between 45 and 47 CE, or AD. James, or Jacob, can be categorized as Jewish wisdom literature along with Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, since much is included that emphasizes wisdom, as does Proverbs, and the writer and original audience were Jewish Christians. This book is similar to a group of books called the Diaspora Literature, written to Jewish people that were scattered to many different countries. Who was this Jacob? Most scholars believe it was the half-brother of Jesus, who was also called James the Just. He was particularly concerned with connecting to Christians who were formerly Jewish. The focus is not as much the laws of Moses, but the command of Jesus to love your neighbor. That's in chapter 2, verse 8. Violating the law of love is equal to breaking one of the Ten Commandments. It's that serious. While some suggest that Paul's theology of salvation by faith is contradicted by this book, which underscores the importance of good works, Paul and Jacob actually bring a balanced view of salvation in which faith that saves is faith that works. Brian Simmons concludes. Now, verse 1. Have you ever noticed that reading some of the letters of the New Testament seem like you're reading someone else's mail? These letters were meant to be read by all Christians, yet the introduction and conclusion of a letter may reveal a distinctive audience that the author had in mind, knowing that this initial audience can help us better comprehend the message being conveyed. Listen to the introduction to the letter of Jacob, or, if you prefer, James. Greetings, my name is Jacob, and I am a love slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all the twelve tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. Now, Already, we see allusions to a Christian Jewish audience, and specifically the Diaspora, who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Not only does Jacob speak of their being scattered, but also God's reason for the scattering. The now familiar image of scattering seeds of the gospel wherever these early believers went. While the image is familiar from reading First and Second Peter, Note that Jacob provides a double meaning or a double entendre in which seed is the gospel and related scripture, but also the people of God are themselves the seed planted wherever they settled. They were to dig deep into their community, plant roots where they lived, so they would grow up by 
uh, sending up a shoot of first growth, followed by a stem, leaves, flowers, and fruit. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? To dig deeply means they were part of their Jewish Christian communities, drawing other Jews to the faith and fully participating in the community of believers. It might also imply participation in the broader community to the degree that they resisted compromise with Roman and pagan influences. Good Christians can and should be good citizens as long as they resist assimilation. They function in the community to draw out converts to the gospel, not to be drawn in to the alien values of the broader community. We do not blend in to the barren wasteland that we see in society, but we stand out as a sturdy plant resists becoming more wasteland. We are people who seek transformation of lives, both our own and those we contact in the world, so that the barren desert is replaced by a garden of thriving disciples of Jesus. We must be in the world to reach it, but be careful not to adopt its ways and values. And Jacob's book tells us that actions count. In fact, they are crucial to our living in a way that draws people to Christ. This book of Jacob, usually called James, or perhaps best called Yaakov, underscores the contrast between Christians and the world, but also the potential common bond with God's original people, those of the Hebrew faith, usually called Jews. There is no room for anti-Semitic expressions by Christians. We need to reach out to those who have not yet met their Messiah. But this is often a difficult task, as even the words Christ and Christian are often synonymous with persecution, hatred, and hostility by many Jews. They know that because they've experienced it as a people over the centuries. We must show actions that reflect love for Jewish people, yet also realize that those of the Jewish faith are diverse from liberal to conservative in beliefs and practices. In addition, it is misleading to think Jewish people are exactly like Old Testament believers. While many do treasure the Old Testament, they are likely to treasure the Talmudic interpretations of the law and Old Testament, as well as later rabbinic dialogues on a wide variety of issues. This was already arising as a point of tension in the early church, and indeed even in the life of Jesus, as the many confrontations between the Jewish scholars and Jesus were related to rabbinic dialogue and subsequent affirmations that were circulating at the time of Jesus, eventually written down in the Mishnah and evolved into the Babylonian and Jerusalem Talmuds. Yet these were not final statements of faith, even though they included thousands of pages of commentary and dialogue. The Babylonian Talmud alone extends into about 20 volumes, and the Jerusalem Talmud is about half that long. And these receive further comment and dialogue by later scholars, 
and continue today in debating issues raised in the yeshivas and other Jewish schools which favor one or more branches of the Jewish faith. This is important to understand because Judaism is not merely an Old Testament faith. Although the Old Testament certainly shaped Judaism, both in community and personally. It is also a group of communities in which there continues to be dialogue that echoes the dialogue in the Old Testament and subsequent generations. Yet too often in history, it is the rejection of Jews by Christians that has fueled their resistance to faith in Jesus. Fortunately, That can change in communities where there is listening and understanding without capitulation to an oversimplified understanding of the other. Yet there can be participation in areas in which we agree, and there can be openings for sharing faith with others. For example, my home church includes the celebration of feast days and other Old Testament practices with a neighboring Jewish congregation. A few of those who were Jewish found that they were able to affirm their Old Testament roots by believing in Jesus as Messiah. And some of us, here I include myself, found a richness in some practices of the Jewish faith. While I have studied and loved the biblical holidays, I must admit that another Jewish holiday, Simcha Torah, is also a gem to be treasured. Simchat Torah honors the scripture through celebrating the original form of the Old Testament by dancing with the Torah scrolls and then taking it to the streets by continuing the dance outside of the synagogue. As a Christian, I showed respect by wearing a yarmulke cap and inviting my Christian students to attend, and the rabbi included us by offering a scroll with which to dance. One of the students asked me, why don't we celebrate the Bible? And here at PGN and the Gospel Trail, we did just that a few weeks ago. This is Brother Don.